For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. So I'm sure a number of you are wondering, when are we going to get to elves? This is five episodes in. We've been discussing the creation of the world, the Valar, the spirits and powers underneath everything in the lore. But isn't the Lord of the Rings all about stories about men and elves and dwarves and hobbits, all of these different races in Middle Earth? What's with all these spirits and powers and gods and things like that? Well, yes. Well, we have to remember, right? At the beginning of the story, there are vast time periods that go by that are all about the forming of the world and the things that happen. This is the way Tolkien designed it. But I know, I know the stories about the elves and the men and the dwarves and all of those things. That's that's the meat of the story. That's where we come in. That's where we join the adventures. That's the story of The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings. That's the stuff that we can relate to. Well, you're in luck. Today, we are discussing the coming of the elves. Everything that I've laid out so far was necessary to discuss the coming of the elves because the coming of the elves is such an important part of the story that it could not have been explained in a vacuum everything needed to have been set up so far for the coming of the elves and the importance of the coming of the elves to be understood you have to have understood who Iluvatar was who the Valar are who Melkor is And the events that had transpired up until this point, the way the world was created, the locations of the continents, all of this, the the way the light worked, all of these features have to be understood for us to even understand who the elves are and why they are the way they are. 
it all makes sense. All of these pieces work together. It's the way the mythology works. Let me back up a little bit because there's still a little bit more you need to understand. Let's review some of the things that we discussed on the previous episode. Remember the orbs, the orbs of light, the one in the north and the one in the south that Melkor so, uh, so nicely destroyed and, of course, messed up the earth. Well, those are gone. And Melkor, of course, has delved into the earth in the far north, created a fortress and has been corrupting the creatures of the world. And the Valar have taken to a vast continent in the west. They've hidden away, built up their fortress, and created the two trees. We discussed this on the last episode. They have light over on their side of the world, but that light only travels so far. Because the orbs that originally lit the entire world stood up on these lamps. But the trees light mostly Valinar. And most of the world is dark. And as Orome the hunter, Yavanna who grows and nurtures the plants, travel around the world, as they like to do, visiting the creatures and the plants, most of the Valar stay in Valinor. They notice that the world is dark, and most of what they can see are the light of the stars. But it is dark. And as they travel closer to the north, they are bothered by the encroaching darkness and evil of Melkor's influence on the world. And it is getting worse. He has not rested. It is permeating the world. There are dark creatures out. And it is a problem. And it is something that the Valar debate. Tolkis, remember Tolkis? Tolkis wants to take it to Melkor. Of course, he's always ready to throw down. But the rest of the Valar are saying, no, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. He's not really a threat. He's off doing his thing. We've got our stuff. And we don't even know when the children will, will show up. And so they gather together. And Manway, in his wisdom, asks Mandos to speak. Remember Mandos? Mandos is the one who looks over the hall, the halls of Mandos. And... He's the one who understands the unfolding of time in the future. These kinds of things. He doesn't understand all of it, but he has a sense of things. And Mando says, and this is a quote directly from the Silmarillion. In this age, the children of Iluvatar shall come indeed, but they come not yet. Moreover, it is doom that the firstborn shall come in the darkness and shall look first upon the stars. Great light shall be for their waning. To Varda ever shall they call at need. Now, Doom, and I've talked about this before, the way Tolkien uses Doom is different than we tend to use it. Doom usually has a negative connotation. Oh, it's the doom of the world, the way the world is going to end and it's going to be terrible. Doom in Tolkien's writing typically means the foreshadowing, the, the way things will play out. 
not necessarily a negative connotation. So Mandos basically stands among the Valar here and says, this is the way things are supposed to be. The children will come, not yet, but soon. And they are supposed to come among the light of the stars. And when they wane, when they go away, as we know in the Lord of the Rings, the the elves are leaving Middle-earth in the Lord of the Rings. It will be during a time of light. And they will ever call on Varda. And we've talked about this before. Varda, Elbereth, the songs that we hear in the Lord of the Rings that the elves sing to Elbereth. And Varda takes this to heart. In fact, Varda decides to go to work in the stars. Not only does she and the other Valar create the trees and use that as light to help light the world and, of course, their home over in Valinor, but she decides that she is going to create light in the sky for the firstborn, for the elves, so that when they come into the world, they will have ways of guiding them in the sky itself, that the stars will be designed just for them. And I love this. And she gives them constellations, specific stars and constellations, and they even have names. So check this out. We have Stars like the brightest star in the sky, Alcarinque, which I think is how you pronounce it. This is the glorious in Quenya. That's the language of the elves. It's one of the languages of the elves. And we'll get we'll get into that kind of detail later. But most of these words, when when they're specific words for characters or items or things, usually it's in Quenya and this means the glorious. It's it's the brightest star in the sky. She also creates another star, which may actually be a planet. This one may be analogous to Mercury, which is known as the morning star. It's often the brightest object in the sky early at dusk, seen near the moon, is Alamire. And that means star jewel in Quenya. And she creates these. And it's said that she gathers stars together. She increases the brightness of some of the stars. She creates new stars. She makes the sky brighter. And then she creates constellations like Wilwarin, the butterfly, and Siro Nume, the eagle west, and Talumendil the lover of the heavens. And you can get some pictures in your head about what these constellations might actually look like. And Anarima, the sun border. Also, and this one might sound kind of familiar to you when I describe it, Menomakar, the swordsman of the heavens with his belt. And this one in particular is very interesting. But before I get to the details around that, I just want you to understand how very much the Valar were looking forward to the coming of these children. 
everything they had done up until this point was for the vision of the Iluvatar and to make this vision real. It had to do with doing the things that they did well. It had to do with living into who they were and making that concrete, which has a little bit of personal investment in it, of course, but so much more. It had to do with reveling in the glory of their creator. And there was nothing more glorious and mysterious to them than the prospect of getting to meet the children of their creator that they had not seen yet. And you have to remember this. They saw and heard the entire picture so far in the music at the beginning, except for some very specific things like the children. They still had no idea what the children looked like, what they sounded like, when they would show up, what the full events of those children's lives would be like and how those lives would affect the future of Arda. And this is the thing that they were waiting for. Imagine it. How exciting is a story that you already know the ending to? Even if you love a great story, it's not nearly as enticing or as exciting as a story that you don't know the ending to yet by a great author who you love. So here she is, creating the stars, or recreating the stars, really. The stars had already been created, but she, she's rearranging them, and she's working on Menomekar, this great warrior in the sky with a bow and a belt. And as she's wrapping this up, she's finishing this final constellation the quote here says, it is told that even as Varda ended her labors and they were long. Remember, these time periods are extensive. When first Menelmakar strode up the sky and the blue fire of Helwin, which means ice blue. It's another name for one of the specific stars flickered in the mists above the borders of the world in that hour. The children of the earth awoke, the firstborn of Iluvatar. By the starlit mirror of Sivyanin, water of awakening, that's what that word means, they rose from the sleep of Iluvatar, and while they dwelt yet silent by Sivyanin, their eyes beheld first of all things the stars of heaven. Therefore, they have ever loved the starlight and have revered Varda Elantari above all the Valar. Now, let's break this passage down a little bit, because there are some very specific ways that this is worded. And remember, nobody edits Tolkien. Tolkien's a philologist. He chooses his words very carefully. Every single word that he wrote was chosen because of its specific meaning. The children here were awoken. And the waters here, the, the location, Sievienen, 
or Suvienin, if that's the pronunciation. This is the water of awakening. The The location is a bay. They, they are awoken next to a sea and it's, and it's a, lo- a location. Basically it's an inlet called the sea of Helkar. And if you are one of those people who's into, into maps and things like that, this is a location that is described as far off in the East and the North. And if you were to look at the maps and I always love looking at maps of middle earth and Beleriand and, and all these locations, this would be very, very far off to the East. This is way past the misty mountains, way past the lonely mountain, way off to the East and the North in a location that probably no longer has a actual sea there in any of the maps that we have. That sea is probably no longer, no longer exists. The world has changed since this time period. And think of it as like far off the East side of most of the maps that we have. And it's in this location that the children awoke. It doesn't say were created or came into existence or appeared. The word is awoke as if they were asleep and already existed. And Tolkien, when he talks about the elves in a lot of his interviews and in some of the extra books and usually when he describes them, the elves are coexistent with creation itself. They exist with the world. And this is a very key thing. This is very important. They, their souls, they themselves are coexistent with existence. When they die, their spirits go back to the halls of Mandos. They do not leave the world. They do not have like a heaven that they leave the world and go off to. That's somewhere separate from the world. Their spirits stay in the world until the story is finished and then the world is done. They coexist with creation. And that's it. The men are different. The children of Iluvatar come in two types, the elves and the men. And the spirits of the men are different. They are other than the elves because they live short lives they do not live forever. And when you talk about immortality in this sense, we're talking about things that not only once they are born live forever, but in this sense, because the children awoke here, it's as if they were always there from the beginning. It's just that maybe the Valar didn't know where they were. They were hidden from even the Valar. So they were immortal in both directions, which is a really cool concept. As the world, when the world showed up right at the beginning and the Valar came into it, Iluvatar had already deposited their spirits into the world. They were part of the world to begin with. But man is different. Man did not exist yet at all. And when man dies, mankind and I'm using the phrase man because that's what Tolkien uses. Man, woman, and there's there's gender stuff going on here because Tolkien lived, you know, a long time ago at this point. But humanity, um, when humans existed, 
they exist for a certain period of time. And when they die, their spirits leave and they go where the elves do not know. And we have to remember that these stories are written from the elven point of view. And even the men, if the men were to write these stories, they wouldn't know either. They don't really understand the full expanse of their own existence because the Valar don't know either. There is nobody on Arda who has a full understanding of what's actually going on here. Only Iluvatar knows, and he doesn't seem to be telling anybody. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
thank you again to everybody who tunes into this show and shares it with your friends and especially to all of our patrons. This week, we have two brand new patrons. So thank you for signing up on the Patreon, Spencer B and Remington C. I hope you guys are enjoying the patron extra bonus episodes that I put out every week where we dive a little bit deeper into the details, into some of the meta topics around each of the episodes. And I hope you guys are enjoying those. And I I think you are because you guys are commenting on each of these episodes with some of your own perspectives and things. I love the conversations that are happening over on the Patreon. So thank you for for being a part of this community and for supporting me. This is a full time job for me. So every little bit helps because this helps make this a career. So I really do appreciate that. So big thanks to all seven of our patrons now. That's amazing. And if you guys are interested in helping to support the show, if, if this show is helping you get through your work days, your commutes, your workouts, or, you know, just uh, <laughs> buying you time waiting for the new Amazon series to come out, then go to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. So that's again, patreon.com slash L-O-T-R, like Lord of the Rings, Lorecast. And you can check out all the different tiers. There's ad-free episodes on the lowest tier. And then on the second tier is where you get not only ad-free episodes where you can set up your own RSS feed on the player that you currently use, where you don't have to worry about ads or anything like that. And with every single regular episode, you will get a bonus episode that comes out simultaneously. So it's like having double episodes every week. And then there's a a tier above that if you're crazy enough to want to donate even more. So thank you so much for everybody who signs up. Also, um, another wonderful way to help support the show, if you really want to help me out, is leaving ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That helps a ton because it lets people know if the show's worth checking out. And uh, it also helps with our rankings on those different platforms. So please, if you if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts or just have an Apple account and you'd like to leave a five star rating with some words, I will read it out in the future. And if you happen to listen on Spotify and you go to the, the view on your mobile device where you can see all the different episodes, then if you scroll to the top, you can click the little five-star rating, give us a five-star right there. That helps a ton. I would really appreciate it. And thanks again to everybody for listening and all of our patrons. You guys are absolutely the best and I really do appreciate it. All right, let's get on with the rest of the show. So there was no booming voice in the sky from Iluvatar announcing the presence or the awakening of the children of the elves to the Valar. There was no beacon that went up in the sky or a narrator's voice letting them know what was going on. And so for a time, the elves were alone in the darkness, under the stars, by the water, discovering the world for themselves, naming the plants and the animals, kind of biblical in this whole naming thing, and themselves. They named themselves the Quendi, those who speak and have voices, because nothing else they met spoke or sang. And another point here, Tolkien notes that They speak and sing from the beginning. They, in their own 
voices don't have to learn how to sing or speak. Singing comes naturally. Singing is something that happens. Creating music is the first voice from the beginning. And so it is also with the elves. And another really cool point here. So for a time, and who knows how long, they sit and they discover and they think until one day Orome on his horse, Helkar, happened to be passing by this little location. And the horse is the one who notices them. The horse neighs and makes some sounds and then stops and Orome stops and looks and listens and he hears singing and this uh, this story right here has so many parallels in other stories that we will discuss in the future but also in stories in the lord of the rings most often times when elves are discovered in the forest the first thing people will notice is the sound of their singing think about it so many times in the Lord of the Rings, this happens, whether it's hobbits discovering elves in the forest or I mean, it doesn't happen in situations when the elves don't want to be discovered. But in the Hobbit, in the story of the Hobbit, when the travelers are making their way through Mirkwood, the singing of the elves in Mirkwood and then they disappear and then the singing of the elves in Mirkwood and they disappear. This story echoes throughout time and the same thing happens to Orome of course they don't disappear in this story but he hears the singing of the elves and he goes to them and it is wonderful he discovers the children of Iluvatar and they are beautiful and the quote here is is great Orome looking upon the elves was filled with wonder, as though they were beings sudden and marvelous and unforeseen. For so it shall ever be with the Valar. From without the world, though all things may be forethought in music or foreshown in vision from afar, to those who enter verily into Ea, each in its time shall be met at unawares as something new and unforetold. And we're explained here, Tolkien explains to us that the elder children at this moment were stronger and greater than they've ever been. At the very beginning here, they are stronger and greater than they were ever, they'll ever be. But they were not more fair because in time, through sorrow and wisdom, it will enrich their fairness. Again, sorrow comes up. Grief and sorrow lends to their fairness, to their beauty and wisdom. And this is a theme that I, I discuss previously and, and, and more deeply in, in one of the bonus episodes. Um, but Orome spends some time with them and then he hurries back to the West, to Valinor, to carry the news to the rest of the Valar and say, hey, the children are here. <laughs> it is time. What are we going to do about this? And they have another meeting. 
And at this meeting, Manway stands up and says, in my heart, I understand what Iluvatar would have us do. We need to protect the children of Iluvatar. There are too many dangers out in the world. We have let Melkor go unchecked too long. And we must welcome the children to the beauty of our home, to the protection of Valinor. So we need to, one, tame the wilds. We need to get rid of whatever evil is out there. And two, we need to welcome them to our home. Because more than anything, the Valar wanted to spend time with the children of Iluvatar because it would help them better understand their father, their creator. And so Tolkis was like, yes, it is time. And before they went back to the elves in the far east, they headed north and they waged war again on Melkor. They headed to his fortress and from the elves perspective, there was fire on the horizon and in the sky. The earth heaved. They felt the movement and the tremors in the land. They didn't see what happened because it was so far away from them. But the earth trembled and we're told that the coastlines changed once again. And Melkor was thrown down. And another really interesting detail here is that Sauron is named in these stories. He is Melkor's lieutenant. He is the one who mans the fortress of Atumno or Utumno or something like that. The pronunciations, of course, I'm not great with. But Sauron is manning one of the fortresses and we're given even greater descriptions at this point of some of the creatures and demons. They're named demons at this point that Melkor has corrupted and created the demons that he's created, the spirits that originally took to him when he convinced them to come along with him are also named. They're given whips of fire and they're, turned into all sorts of shapes and some of them are called Balrogs and what's amazing to think about at this point is that the majority of Melkor's army and the creatures he surrounds himself with are things like Balrogs and demons these were not yet armies of orcs and goblins and things like that these are armies of creatures like Balrogs. This conflict between the Valar and Melkor and his army shook the earth. And they delved, they created craters in the north. It is told that the reason the north is so barren is because of these conflicts, because of this right here. And they were able to delve deep into the earth and uncover Melkor's hiding place. And Tolkis threw him down again and chained him and took him back to Valinor. 
and they put him in the halls of Mandos where he would remain because the halls of Mandos were created in a way where no Vala, no elf, no man could make their way out of. He would be contained there. And so for a time, there would be peace. But we're also told that they didn't find all of the hiding places under the earth. And Sauron escaped. And with Melkor now in captivity, the Valar would feel safe enough in order to approach the elves again. But there's one more piece of this story I haven't talked about yet. Remember that time when the elves were off by themselves before Orome found them and before the Valar went to war with Melkor again? They were off on their own. And some of them wandered off into the darkness exploring. And even when Orome showed up, some of the elves were afraid. Some of the more wise elves saw the light of Valinor in Orome's eyes and understood that he was good. But some of them were scared. And we're told that Melkor took advantage of this. He wasn't the only one who noticed the coming of the children. You ever wonder how the orcs were created? Well, they talk about it in the movies. They reveal this in the movies. There's a line where one of the characters is explaining to one of the other characters that the orcs were created by the Dark Lord. And I think they say the Dark Lord, but they don't mean Sauron. Twisting the elves, torturing them, mutating them, changing them into orcs. And this happened at this time period because in the earliest days of the children, some of them disappeared into the darkness and nobody knows exactly what happened, but they were captured and they were enslaved and they were tortured and they were changed forever into vile creatures who only knew darkness and pain so much so that they hated their master these are the orcs and it is thought of as the most terrible thing that melkor ever did to spite his father to take his most beloved creation his children and to turn them against him Next week, we'll talk more about what happens next when the Valar approach the elves and offer them a journey back to Valinor, a long journey. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe in Middle-earth, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio 
or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.